0: Well, we are wrapping up a series going through the book of Philippians. Come on, have you enjoyed this series? Has it been helpful? I, I, love, um, I love when we do this. A lot of times we, we do have topical series and messages, but uh, two or three times throughout the year, we really feel like it's important for us to look at a specific book of the Bible and really look at the context and what God's Word is saying and how we can apply it to our lives. I mean, you know, James says that if you hear the Word but you don't do the Word, you're only fooling yourself. Um, you have to apply it to your life. It's got to be something that you internalize and that you, uh, you, be, you, you are a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. And so uh, in week one, we talked about joy and suffering, that even when we, we face difficult things or difficult things happen to us, we can still have joy. Week two, we talked about joy in serving. We said that serving, uh, serving brings joy and makes us more like Jesus. And then last week, uh, we talked about joy in believing, and as mature believers, we should view life lived for god this way that i'm going to rejoice in the lord if you remember this i'm not going to have confidence in my flesh but i'm gonna have confidence in the holy spirit working in me i'm going to know jesus i'm going to become more like him i'm forgetting what's in the past i'm moving into what god has for my life now and if you've missed any of those messages go back on the podcast or on the church center app or on youtube or facebook or wherever you want to consume the content and uh, you can watch that, listen to any of those, I think it'll be a blessing to you. And today, as we're concluding our series, I've titled the message, Joy in Giving. Joy in Giving. Somebody say, Joy in Giving. So let's jump in, let's jump into chapter four. Come on, are you ready for chapter four? Anybody read chapter four this week? In preparation, I was talking to somebody before, some of y'all are like, oh, I didn't know we were supposed to do that. Uh, the pop quiz at the end, no, I'm just kidding. Um... I was talking to somebody before the service, they said, and I was reading chapter 4 leading up to this week, and that excites me because I I love to hear that because you are allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And I don't think you should just rely on me to get in God's Word and and try to give you something and pull something out of God's Word. That's important, and that's why we're here today is to be encouraged and to grow, but the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you as you read read the Word of God. So jumping in, look at the first three verses as we jump into chapter 4. It says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom... I love and long for, my joy and crown. Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with you, hard work, Yodea, and I plead with Sintich, there's some, some names for your kids right there, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement, And the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. So chapter 4 begins with some instruction. And I love this this phrase, these two words where Paul says to stand firm. Stand firm in the Lord. Now this phrase, stand firm, can also be used or translated or, or said to say persevere. So in other words, Paul is instructing these readers that he was sending this letter to. And also us today, he says persevere in the Lord. Now, when I, don't, I don't know about you, but when I think about persevering, I think there's only, if you're going to persevere or stand firm, that means that you have to have a reason to stand firm or per- persevere. If everything in life is easy, what are you persevering through? If everything in your life is exact, like up and to the right all the time, What reason do you really have to stand firm? If nobody ever comes against you, if the enemy never tries to tempt you, if there's not anything that ever happens that's difficult in your life, this really doesn't apply to you. But here's the reality. None of us are exempt. Every single one of us have difficult things that we walk through. And Paul says, here's what you need to do. You need to stand firm in the Lord. You need to persevere. And how do we stand firm and persevere as we live for Jesus in this world? I think you can go back to chapter 3, we read these verses last week, and I'm not going to read them for the sake of time today, but it was verses 20 and 21, and I think it gives us some insight. I think it gives us an answer on how to stand firm, and it says things like this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Remember that this world isn't your home, and focus on the fact that Jesus will make all things right one day. How do you stand firm when things are coming at you? How do you stand firm when you feel like Every single day is like walking through mud and you're, you just feel kind of stuck sometimes. You feel like the enemy is coming after you all the time. How do you stand firm in the Lord? How do you persevere in the Lord? I think the first thing is you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. I think about Peter walking on water. When did he begin to sink? When he took his eyes off Jesus and he began to look at the wind and the waves and everything that was going on around him. And the same is true for us in our lives. Have you ever experienced this? That everything, you're focused on Jesus, your eyes are on Jesus, you're fixed on Jesus, and as soon as you start getting distracted by other things, then things in your life start to kind of, it feels like it's falling apart. And here's the reality. It's not that those situations weren't there already. In In most cases... You might have already been walking through something, but the difference is you took your eyes off of Jesus, and now you have your eyes on your circumstance, and so everything seems more difficult. Everything seems like it's not doable. Everything seems like I'm sinking and I'm drowning, and what's going on in my life right now? It's because your eyes are not on Jesus. You've taken your eyes off of Jesus. Now, here's the great news about that story, if you read the whole story, is that Jesus didn't let him just sink. But he reached out his hand, he pulled him up, and he said, you need, you got to have faith, trust me trust me. Keep your eyes on me. And I would say that to somebody in the room today, maybe everybody in the room today, trust God. Trust God. If you feel like you're sinking, if you feel like life is falling apart right now, if you feel like everything is difficult, trust God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus, because the enemy is going to try to get you to look at all the things around you. He's going to try to get you to see the waves. He's going to try to get you to to, to feel like, I'm going to drown in this moment keep your eyes on Jesus that's how you can stand firm remember that this world isn't our home come on that's important we've got to remember that this is not this is not where this is not the end that we are we're living in a different kingdom as a child of God and we have a different eternal destination as, like this is not this is not the end all this is not you know we're just passing through as some would say That we have a different home with Jesus. And focus on the fact that that one day Jesus is going to make everything right. That one day everything is going to be made new. That one day everything is going to be made perfect. That one day there will be no more tears and there will be no more pain. And there will be no more heartache. And there will be no more of all these things. Because Jesus is going to make everything right again. And in verse 2 Paul's pleading with two individuals really to be of the same mind in the Lord. And looking back at it he says I plead with you. Be of the same mind. Be of the same. What does it mean to be of the same mind in the Lord? Now, how many, how many know that uh, we don't always agree on everything? We don't always think the same way. We don't always. But we can all have the same purpose. And we can all have the same goal. And we can all have the same Jesus that we're following. And we can be of one mind together. Even though we may see things differently from time to time, we're all moving in the same direction. One writer said this about verse 2. said, It is possible to believe in Christ, work hard for his kingdom... And yet have broken relationships with others who are committed to the same cause. But we have no excuse for remaining unreconciled. Do you need to be reconciled to someone today? If you're facing a conflict you can't resolve, don't let the tension build into an explosion. Come on, how many of you ever let the tension build into an explosion? (laughs) I mean you just thought about it and you you know you you ruminated on it and you just processed it and you processed it to death and then before you know it you're mad and you don't even really know why you're mad and you blow up at that person and they're like I didn't even know that anything was going on because you you like you didn't have the conversation you didn't you didn't get it like you didn't release that to the lord come on It's important for us to do that Don't let the tension build into an explosion don't withdraw or resort to cruel power plays. Don't stand idly by and wait for the dispute to resolve itself. Instead, seek the help of those known for peacemaking. And at the end of these verses, Paul also instructs these believers, he says, to help the people who have been working with him to help spread the gospel. And he encourages, he's writing this to this church, to these believers, and he says, hey, Here are some people that have been by my side and they have been seeing this through with me and they have been helping me and I want you to be kind to them. I want you to help them. I want you to see that you provide for them, that you meet their needs and how many of you know that we don't need to bash or ignore or gossip about one another and we talk about this periodically in messages. It's always good to throw in the word gossip in a message because it makes people uncomfortable because we start thinking about the conversations we just had this last week, right? Like, we're not, we're not called, I'm not called to bash you. You're not called to bash me. I'm not called to gossip about you. And you're not called to gossip about me. You know what we are called to do? To encourage and help one another. And if you think about the first church, um, on Wednesday nights, the, the students have actually been learning about some of this, that if you think about the first church, and you read Acts chapter 2, and I think it's verses 42 through 47-ish, somewhere in there, that it's talking about the first church, and here's what they did. And they, they wanted to help each other so much that if somebody had a need, they would go sell their own property, right? They would go, can we put it in, in the 21st century? Somebody had a need, and they, they were struggling in some way, and this person went home and took their TV off the wall, sold it, gave them the money to help meet their need. That's what the first church did. In today's culture, we say, I'll pray for you, and then we go home and watch the football game. Now, I'm not like, and listen, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm preaching to myself as much as I am to you. But here's what, Paul's encouraging, said, hey, here's a couple people, they've been trying to spread the gospel. Help them. Help them. Be there for them. Encourage them. Help help meet needs, like see a need, meet a need. We we need to be followers of Jesus who help one another. Who help one another. Look at verses 4 and 5. Paul goes on, he says, and here's this Phrase again. Here's this word again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, just in case you didn't get it the first time. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now we talked last week about rejoicing. We talked about how the joy of the Lord is our strength, and Jesus Himself said, "I want my joy." I'm praying that my joy will be in you, so that your joy will be complete. That our joy will be complete when when we have the joy of the Lord inside of us, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. Right. And so we need to rejoice in the Lord. We need the joy of the Lord inside of us. And so we talked about that last week. And maybe you want to write this down because I think it's important. Our outward circumstances do not need to dictate our inner attitudes. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Yeah, but Paul, you don't know what's going on right now. There are people all around us that are trying to get us to do extra things and say that we can't just believe in Jesus, we got to do this extra, that it's like grace plus this that makes us right with God. And Paul says, no, rejoice in the Lord always. Okay, but right now, I'm being attacked by the enemy a lot, it feels like, and I'm walking through difficult situations, and Paul would say, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. But yeah, you don't know what I'm walking through right now, and my financial situation is really, really difficult right now, and I don't know how we're going to get out of this and i don't know how we're going to make it to the next week and i don't know how we're going to do this and do that and do this and we got kids and things and we got all this going on and paul would say rejoice in the lord always yeah but my car just broke down and i don't know how we're going to fi- rejoice in the lord always well i got people in my life right now that don't seem to like me and they're against me and, and they're talking behind my back and that rejoice in the lord always i will say it again rejoice paul Paul knew what was going on. He's even written specifically to some things that they're walking through, and he's giving them this encouragement and this instruction. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And we have to remember that our outward circumstances, because this is, this is a struggle. We often allow our outward circumstances to dictate the attitude that we have. The attitude that we have with God, the attitude that we have with people, the attitude that we have with our friends, the attitude that we have at work. We allow circumstances around us to dictate our attitude, and our outward circumstances do not need to dictate our inner attitudes. And Paul could be full of joy while in prison because he knew that God was with him. He knew I've got to be here for a purpose. There's got to be something that God's doing. I know that God's with me. I know that he's still allowing me to 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 write these letters. He's still allowing me to minister the gospel. He's still using what I'm walking through right now to help other people minister the gospel and become bold in their faith. And Paul, he could have joy even in in prison because he knew God's with him and God's working in it. And for some of us, we've allowed what has happened to us or what happens to us to dictate the attitude that we have toward Jesus and toward people in our lives and it's time to learn to rejoice in the Lord always and i maybe you need to set a reminder on your phone or put it on your mirror or something that every morning when you wake up and you're brushing your teeth or you're getting ready or you're you know you're looking in the mirror to make sure your outfit looks all right come on somebody make sure there's not any, you know anything weird going on <laughs> you're checking your hair and you see this little sticky note that says rejoice in the lord well, i don't feel like rejoicing in the lord and it's a reminder rejoice in the lord today the joy of the lord is my strength today i'm going to rejoice in the lord what does paul mean by letting our gentleness be evident to everyone in in verse five some some studies of this word show that it can mean this it can mean fair-minded reasonable or charitable talking about gentleness so in other words paul's saying hey um here's here's what you need to here's what needs to be evident to everybody fair-mindedness being reasonable, being charitable, gentleness, gentleness, and here's here's the way I wrote it down in my notes. When we're not fair-minded and we're not reasonable, we tend to not be gentle with people. Have you ever not been gentle with people in your life, and then you look back and you thought, ee, "I should have done that different. I should have handled that different. I should have said that different. <laughs> I should have." Like, I should have came across with a different attitude. Like, that that didn't communicate the way that I wanted it to, and my gentleness was not evident in that. We should be known for our gentleness. And I know you know this, but gentleness, it's a fruit of the Spirit. And we've talked about this before in Galatians 5, where it's a fruit. Like, this is what the Holy Spirit is producing in your life. If you'll give Him permission, if you'll allow Him, He'll work this out in you. You can have joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And all of those things, not just gentleness as we're talking about here, but all of those things can be evident in your life. They can be evident to the people around you when you're following Jesus and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your heart and in your life. Amen? Amen. Verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Would anybody like any peace? I mean, is there anybody at church today, or maybe you're watching online right now, and you're thinking, I just, I don't feel at peace. I don't feel at peace. I think these two verses are verses that we read, and we love to read, and we wish we could experience, but sometimes we feel like it's impossible. Have you ever read these verses, do not be anxious for anything, that you can experience God's peace, peace that transcends all understanding, and thought to yourself, I don't even, like, is that even possible? How can I even do that? How can I even experience that in my life? Be anxious for nothing? I was anxious this morning. Be anxious for nothing? Like, I'm anxious about what's coming tomorrow. Be anxious for nothing? How in the world can I be anxious for nothing in my life? I don't know about you, but I've felt anxious more times than I would care to admit. And I think that you would probably find yourself in the same place. That we are worried and we are anxious more than we ought to be. And here's what the word anxious means in the original language. It means divided, distracted, and pulled apart. I love that pulled apart. Because when you're anxious, don't you feel pulled apart? You've been anxious about something and you felt like you were pulled in seven different directions. It was like, I don't even know. I can't even think straight because I'm so anxious about this and I'm pulled apart. You've been living your life pulled apart. You wake up on Monday morning and you are pulled apart in all directions because you're anxious and you're worried about something. You're concerned about it. I think that many of us are living our lives that way, and we want peace. But listen, here's the key. Many of us are living our lives feeling pulled apart and wanting peace, but not practicing the biblical way to experience peace. We want peace, but we don't want to follow God's instruction to get it. So we get frustrated because we're not experiencing peace. But we're not applying what God's word says to experience the peace that Jesus said, I came to give you. I'm leaving this with you. We know this, but I want to show it to you again. Here's a biblical way to have peace in your life. Okay, We just read this, but I'm going to put it in my own words. Every time you begin to worry or be anxious about something, stop and present it to God. Do you know that's what this verse says? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, and he tells us how to do it, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, present it to God. Every time you get worried about something, stop and present it to God. When you start to worry and feel anxious about your kids, stop and present them to God. That starts rising up in you. You're like, it's not doing me any good to be anxious about this right now. I'm going to present them to God. I'm going to give them to God. When you start to feel worried or anxious about your job situation, stop and present it to God. When you start to feel worry or feel anxious about a conversation, stop and present it to God. When you start to worry or be anxious about a troubled relationship, stop and present it to God. Anytime you start to feel worried or anxious about something in your life, you stop and you present that thing or that person to God. And here would be my question. How often do we do that? Because here's my tendency, and I would bet this is your tendency as well that when I start to feel worried or anxious about a relationship or about my marriage or about my kids or about something going on in my life, I don't have a natural tendency to stop and present it to God. I have a natural tendency to worry and let it consume me and let it paralyze me and bring fear into my life and keep me from doing anything beneficial for me or to move the kingdom of God forward because I didn't present it to God. And I think we would, we would be so much better off if we had a place. And maybe you need a place. Maybe, maybe you, need a, you, know, you need to write it down or you need to have some alarm that goes off that it's like at 12, you intentionally stop and say, okay, is there anything I'm worried or anxious about right now that I need to present to God? Is there anything right now that I've been worried about? Because I didn't think about it at 9 a.m. when it came to my mind. But now I'm intentional. I've got a time set that I'm going to stop and I'm going to process. What is going on inside of me right now? Am I anxious? Am I worried about something right now? You know what I need to do? I need to present that to God. I need to give that to God. I need to take a moment, two minutes, five minutes. I need to hand that over to the Lord. And how do we present these things to God? Here's, here's what I think the, the Bible gives us instruction toward. By praying and being thankful. By praying and being thankful. So be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by petition and with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Present your request to God. So you're presenting that to God, and here's how you're doing it. By praying and being thankful. And some of us, I I fear we have no peace in our lives because we don't pray about what's going on in our minds. And some of us have no peace because we're not thankful. When was the last time that you just sat down and you thanked the Lord? That you wrote down. Some some of us, if not all of us, need to get And Maybe you do this. Maybe you have this. You need to get a gratitude journal. We just sang this song this morning. Gratitude. You just need to get a gratitude journal. And you you know what would renew your mind every day? Is if you got up and before you went about your day, you got in God's word. You spent some time praying, and you wrote down something you're thankful for. God, thank you for my spouse. They're such such a blessing in my life. God, thank you for this job. Even though I'm struggling to go today, I thank you that I have this job that provides income for me and my family. Thank Thank you that I get to, come on, you get up on a Sunday morning. Thank you that I get to go to church today, and I don't have to go to church today. You just, you just need to, like, thank you for my kids. Thank you for p- your provision. Thank you for, for providing this for me. Thank you for what you brought me through last week that I didn't know if I was going to make it through, but now I'm on the other side of it, and I just want to say thank you. There's something so powerful about expressing gratitude and thankfulness to God. It, it, it changes something in our heart, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's here, that and with thanksgiving, and then the peace of God. It's going to guard your heart and it's going to guard your mind. We pray and we express gratitude. We, we be thankful. It reminds me of what we see in, in 1 Peter. I love this verse, 1 Peter 5, 7. You know this. Cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. And I wonder sometimes if we don't cast all of our anxiety on the Lord because we don't truly believe that he cares about us. Because Peter said, here's what you need to know. And we could flip this around. Because God cares about you, give it over to him. Present it to him. Cast all of your anxiety, all of your worry, all of your fear, all of these things. Cast it on the Lord because he cares for you. He cares for you. And many of us are carrying around things that we're never intended to carry around because we have not given them over to the Lord. And we're worried and we're anxious about life. I think that many of us have probably tried this once or twice. And when it didn't work instantly, we gave up on this instruction. Anybody ever done that with anything in your life? You did it. Have you ever? It's like okay, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna listen to what I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to what God's word said i'm not gonna be anxious i'm gonna this time i'm gonna overcome my anxiety this time i'll experience the peace of god i'm gonna to begin to pray and i'm gonna present i'm gonna present it to god through prayer I'm going to be thankful and i'm gonna to present to god what i'm worried about and what i'm anxious about and we do it one time we do it two times we do it you know monday tuesday wednesday and we're like i don't feel any different and so we lay it down and we don't do it again can i just lovingly tell you you did not get to the place that you're in with anxiety and worry and all of these things in three days. So why do we expect to, to change something and try to do something different for one, two, three days and everything be different? It's, we're, we're renewing our mind. And sometimes it takes some time. But here's what I believe you will discover. The more that you do it consistently, you may look back and, and, and God is transforming you and your mind is being renewed. And six months from now, because every day I've gotten up and I've written something that I'm thankful for and I've said, you know what, every time I set an alarm and every day at noon or every day at five or every day at 10 or whatever time works best for you, I decided that no, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna think about what I've been thinking about. I'm gonna, what am I worried or anxious about? And I'm gonna present that to God right now because I'm not meant to carry that. I'm going to give it to the Lord, and I'm going to trust Him with it. And if you do that consistently over time, you can't help but see a difference. It will change you. And I truly believe you will live life less anxious and less worried because over time, you are trusting God more. I'm giving this to the Lord. I'm trusting Him. I'm going to be anxious for nothing. Nope, I'm going to present it to God. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to talk. You know, what? Praying about it, talk to God about it. Just right there when you're sitting at work and you begin to be anxious about something or you're thinking about that thing going on with your child or whatever, and you just stop in the moment. I'm not going going to be anxious about this. I'm going to present this to God. I'm going to talk to God about it, and I'm going to thank Him in advance. I'm going to thank Him in advance for taking care of this situation, for meeting this need, for doing whatever needs to be done here. I'm going to be thankful in advance before I see it happen. I'm going to thank Him for what He's already done, and I'm going to thank Him for what he's going to do. And God's peace, this peace that that we experience, it's not the same as the world's peace. Jesus told us this, this is John 14, 27. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. My peace I leave with you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Many of us are seeking out the world's peace. And we're not doing it God's way, which is what Paul has written down here just in these two verses. He says, this is, if you want to experience God's peace, this is how you can get it. Be consistent with this. Do this over and 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 over every time it comes to your mind. And many of us are seeking out the world's peace. We're so anxious and worried we're seeking out peace through alcohol. We're seeking out peace through gossiping to other people. Maybe it's going to bring some peace into my life. If I, can get, if I can stop thinking about me and we can talk about somebody else and I'll feel better about me. We're seeking, we're seeking the world's peace. We're seeking relief. And Jesus says, I don't give peace that way. My peace I leave you. And I don't give it to you as the world gives. My peace, it transcends anything that you could ever understand. In other words, you can have my peace and not even understand how you can have so much peace in this situation. Because you're tapping into God's peace. Peace. And not seeking the world's peace. What if we tried it? Crazy idea. What if we tried it God's way? What if we laid down our agenda and what we think is going to bring us peace. And we said, you know what? I'm going to try it God's way. And I'm not going to do it three times and expect you know, complete transformation in my life. I'm going to be consistent with it. And over time, I'm telling you. Over time, applying God's word works Every time. Every time. Every time. One writer made this statement. He said, True peace is not found in positive thinking, in absence of conflict, or in good feelings. It comes from trusting God to work everything out in a way that is best for you as you fulfill your role in God's work in the world. It's trusting God. I'm not going to be anxious. i not be worried. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to present it to Him. I'm going to talk to Him about it. I'm going to give thanks to Him in advance. And then Paul goes on the next two verses. Put it into practice. It does not say, read it, and the God of peace will be with you. Think about it, and the God of peace will be with you. Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. After reading uh, these verses, I think sometimes, you know, we're, we're thinking... I know I have read these before, and it's like whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever admirable, if anything's excellent, worthy of praise. Think about such things, and I'll think to myself sometimes when I read that I'm like, how do you think about like? How do you just always think about what is true and what is lovely and what is admirable and what is right? Like here's the reality: it doesn't come naturally, does it? I mean, did you wake up this morning and you were like? I'm just thinking about everything that's true. I mean, you're getting your family around to get to church, and you're like, I'm just thinking about everything that's lovely <laughs> right now. I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't come naturally, right? It, it doesn't happen that way. One study showed, I was, I was studying a little bit of this, like our thought patterns and things like that. This is what one study showed. We remember traumatic experiences better than positive ones. We remember bad things that happen to us way more than we remember positive ones. Think about this for a moment. You can have all day long this person can say, "Oh, you look really nice today." I'm the next person. I'm so glad I get to, you know, that we work together and you're just such an encouragement. You can have that happen 15 times in one day while you're at your job and one person One person make a negative comment to you or about you and what do you go home thinking about? The one negative thing that somebody said about you. Not the 15 positive things that that were said about you or to you, but the one negative thing. Here's another, another thing this study showed that we recall insults better than praise. Right now, you could think of times when people have insulted you but if I was to ask you to to recall a time that you were praised for something you would struggle to remember but you remember what they did to you you remember what they said about you another thing is that we react more strongly to negative stimuli we do it's it's just in us we react more strongly to negative stimuli and we think about negative things more frequently than positive ones Now, I want you to try this. If you don't believe me, I feel like Paul last week when he said, and if you disagree with me on anything, I'm praying for you, and the Lord's going to make it clear to you. Just take me up on this, all right? Grow group leaders in the room, watching online, whatever. In your group this week, start with this, and now you're going to be prepared for it, so it may not work, but I may not need to tell you this, and just tell the grow group leaders and see how it goes. (laughs) But seriously, if we were... if 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 you were to sit in your group and your leader said, tell me three negative things that happened to you this week. You probably have them right now. And they said, think of three positive things that happened to you this week. We would say, um, hmm. (laughs) Let me think about it for a minute. We would have no problem coming up with something negative that happened to us. But name something good that happened to you. I'm sure there was something. But I don't recall it in the moment. You know why? Because we have a natural tendency to remember and retain and think about negative things way more than we do positive things. Even if the positive outnumbers the negative 100 to one. We will remember the one negative thing, and it will eat us up. One negative thing. And this is just what this study showed. We respond more strongly to negative events than to equally positive ones. And so how do we do what Paul's telling us to do and think about these things? How do we pull this off? How do we accomplish this? Through the help of the Holy Spirit. We train ourselves to see and think. On good things. Okay. You didn't go to the gym. One time. And get in shape. You have to train. There's another part in scripture where Paul says. I train and discipline my body. To do what it ought to do. I train it. I make it. Do it. You, ha- you have to train yourself to see and think about. And this is, I'll bring this up again. This is for somebody. This is where it helps to even write it down. Write down the good thing. Write down, every time something good happens to you, write it down. Write it down. And then go back and read it. Look at all of the good things that God did in my life today. Look at all, this last week, look at all the good things that happened. Look at all the compliments I got. Look at it, all the people that just even smiled at me when they hadn't smiled at me in the last three weeks. Come on, somebody. And I wrote it down. It was a positive thing. And I am training myself to see and think about good. I'm training myself to see life from a different perspective. And I would submit to you that many of us struggle with our thoughts because of what we allow to come into our minds. Many of us, I'm going to say that one more time, many of us struggle with what we think about because of what we allow to come in here. We don't guard this. At least most of us probably don't guard this well enough. And what we allow to come in, we don't think it's that big of a deal. But it affects our lives and it affects everything that we think about. For most of us, we may need to examine. We're just going to get real practical. And then we're going to go on to the next few verses. Real practical. We may need to examine. If you want to think about what's lovely and what's true and what's honorable and you want to train yourself to see and think about the positive and see the positive in life and see from God's perspective, you may need to examine what you're putting in your mind. You may need to examine the movies you watch. You might need to examine the books that you read, the TV shows, the video games, the internet sites, the music that you listen to. You might need, if you really want your thought patterns to change, you're going to have to change what you're allowing into your mind. Thank you for that polite golf clap. (laughs) It's like, you're going to have to change what you're watching and allowing in your mind. (laughs) Everybody's like... I know I should clap and say amen. <laughs> it's like one of those moments, it's like, I know. I should probably agree with what he's saying, but I don't know if I want to. And here's, can I, can I just be honest with you? Because there are some, thank you, I love you too. There are some, like there are some, and, and, and here's, here's the thing. Well, Pastor Gabe, I like those things, and I really don't want to give them up. And here's what I would say to you. Then you can just plan to keep on struggling with what you think about. You can. If you, if, proverb. I can't remember where the proverb is found, but I think it's 423. Guard your heart above all else, for out of it flow the issues of life. Okay, one translation, if you study the word heart, it's your innermost being. You know what's included in that? Your mind your emotions. Things you think about. It's not talking about your physical heart that's pumping blood into your body. It's talking about your inner person. Guard it above all else, for out of it flow the issues of life. One translation even says this. says, pay attention to what you think about, because your thoughts run your life. You have... you. You can't have your thought patterns change and continue to put the same things into your... Maybe it's the things that you're allowing into your mind that have gotten you to the place that you're at right now where you think the way that you think. And in order to get out of that and begin to think a different way, you've got to change some things. You've got to make some shifts. You've got to... Okay, that is probably feeding something to my mind that is causing me to think this way or to operate this way, and I've got to remove it. I've got to remove it. I've got to make a change. And we don't like change. You might like change. We don't like change. And here's another thing I know. Some of you are mad right now because you don't like being told what to do. But here's the great news. This is awesome. Listen to me. Everybody, right here. Right here. Right here. I'm not telling you what to do. God did. <laughs> He's the one who inspired the writer to say, pay attention to what you think about Because your thoughts are going to run your life. Here's what you need to think about. Things that are true and honorable. And you're going to train yourself to think this way. And then the peace of God will be with you. When you decide that I'm not going to worry and be anxious. I'm going to create a habit of taking it to God. And then the peace of God that transcends all understanding. Will guard your heart and your mind. It's not that God's withholding his peace from you. It's that we're not doing it God's way. And when we shift and we say, you know what, I probably need to do it God's way. And over time, here's what you'll experience, more of God's peace. When you begin to do it God's way. We've got to put into practice what God's word teaches if we want to experience peace in our lives and in our thoughts. Verses 10 through 13 say this, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, and here's some of our favorite verses in the one of our favorite verses in the entire Bible, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. It's one of the most quoted verses in the Bible. But many times we miss the context, and we put it. You know, if you played sports, you know, like sometimes we put this when you're walking out on the field or you're walking out on the court or you're walking out at you know the locker room, and you'll say, "I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength," and that could apply to that, but we have to know the context. Of what we're reading and what we're quoting. He says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And right before this statement that we love to quote, Paul says things like this He says, I've experienced being in need. Anybody ever experienced being in need? Some of you might even be in need right now. He says, I've experienced being in need. I've experienced having plenty. Anyone ever had more than you need? If anybody raises their hand, somebody's like, you know, like maybe we can meet up after church and you can give me the secret <laughs> to having more. Than what I need, right? He says things like, I've learned how to be content in every circumstance. And it's by the strength that comes from God. Can I I paraphrase this in a way that maybe you want to write it down? I am content no matter what I face because God gives me strength to thrive in it all. So yeah, I can go out on this football field and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I can walk out of my house, you know, quoting, well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But if you really want to get the context of this, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be content in every situation because I've I've experienced having a lot of need. And I've experienced times where it was like an overabundance of blessings and I was giving things away. And I was blessing other people because God was just blessing me in that way. I've been hungry and I've had plenty to eat. And he says, you know what? I could do it all. But not because of me. Because of the strength that comes from God. That's how I could do it all. I'm not worried because I'm trusting God. Can I just say it plain to you today? Stop worrying and trust God. Stop worrying about it and trust God. Stop overanalyzing it and overthinking it and driving, you know, driving yourself nuts and just say, I have to trust God. Because here's the reality, that thing that you're worried about, you probably can't control it anyway. And you worrying about it is probably not going to make any difference in the situation. But you know what you can do? You can trust God. You can trust God. I'm not anxious because I'm trusting God. I'm not giving up because I'm trusting God. Listen, stop considering throwing in the towel and trust God. I really think that's the word for somebody today. Stop throwing around the idea of quitting and trust God. Make the decision that, okay, I'm going to trust God. I don't know how we're going to get out of this. I don't know how we're going to get to the next thing. I don't know how God's going to come through, but I'm going to trust God. I'm going to stop, stop processing this idea of giving up and quitting and throwing in the towel, and today I'm making the decision, I'm going to trust God in this situation. I'm going to trust God with my life. I'm going to trust God with my kids, whatever it is. Maybe we need to to start quoting things like, God will meet my needs. God will never leave me. God will never forsake me. God is my provider. And can we all say this statement together? We're going to put this. Can you put that next one up on on the screen? I have learned the secret. God will help me do it. Come on, one more. let's just all say that. Come on, say it like say it like you're awake. Okay. <laughs> I have learned the secret. God will help me do it. You know, this is what Paul's saying. I've been hungry. I've been well fed. I've been I've been in all. The, there's another place in Scripture where Paul lists all these things, and he says we even thought we were going to die. I mean. But, and then in that particular context, he says, but here's what all those things accomplished in us. We stopped relying on our own strength, and we started trusting in God. He says, we thought all these things were going to lead us to, I mean, we, were, we thought this was it. But you know what it did? God saw us through. You know what it did? It caused us to trust God more. We stopped relying on our abilities, and we started relying on God's ability. We stopped relying on how I can provide, and I started relying on how God can provide. We have to, it, it's just a shift. It's a shift. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can, I, I've learned the secret. The secret is in everything I walk through, God will help me do it. In everything I have, to, I have to do, in every difficult situation, when times are good, no matter what I'm walking through, God will help me do it. I need to have a tough conversation, God will help me do it. I need strength to make it through a financial struggle. God will help me do it. I'm fighting for my marriage right now. God will help me do it. I desire to teach my kids to love the Lord and God will help me do it. Life is difficult right now, but God will help me do it. God will help me do it. I've learned the secret. The secret is that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I've learned this when it was really, really hard. And when things were really, really good. That I can make it through anything. I can be content in anything. I can have joy in anything. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Not in my own strength, but his strength. And how can we find find true contentment in life? Just a few things here. Get God's perspective. Get God's perspective on it. Man, we have our perspective. I, I heard somebody say it this way. I think this is how they said it. They said, "There's God's perspective and there's our perspective, and our perspective is always wrong. If we don't have God's perspective, we're not seeing it right. We're not seeing it correctly. We need to get God's perspective. Whatever it is that you're walking through, whatever it is when it comes, if you're not walking through anything difficult right now, there's something coming." Jesus said, "In this life, you will have trouble. In this life, you're gonna have trials, gonna be tribulation." There are going to be problems. But take heart. I've already overcome the world. And if you're not walking through something right now, you're going to need this in three days. You're going to need this. Come on. You're going to need this in February after the 21 days of prayer and fasting has worn off and now you started worrying again. You're, like at some point, you're going to need it. It's God who's helping me. I got God's perspective. Here's another one. Keep your priorities in the right order. When we start getting anxious and worried about things, man, our priorities start getting out of order. We start neglecting time with God, and now our relationship with Him is no longer in first place. My concern, like, I'm struggling because I'm not seeing the provision that I want, and so instead of spending more time with God, I start working more, trying to make more, trying to dig myself out of this hole, and before I know it, six months go by, and we're trying, 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 but I have no relationship with God because my priorities got out of whack. You got to keep your priorities in order. Keep your priorities in order. No matter what is going on in my life, my number 1 priority is my relationship with God. It's always going to be number 1. And know the know who your source of power is. Know where your power comes from. And it does not come from you. And it does not come from your good talents and your good abilities and how you know how how well you think about things or how you know gifted you are like that's not where your source of power is your source of power has to be found in god you have to go back to him and plug into him and know that he is where my strength comes from he is where my power comes from look at these next verses 14 all the way through 20 yet it was good of you to share in my troubles moreover as you philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel when i set out from macedonia not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you did you, did me aid, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that, is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul, I love this because Paul's thanking these believers for what they've given him and how they've helped meet needs and how they have helped him along the way. He says, when I left one place, no other church sent me anything. No other church helped me or supported me except for you. So I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for the, what, the, the gifts that you received and how I have more than enough and how you have been with me. Even if you couldn't be with me, you have helped me in this way. And you know what I've discovered in my life? And I think you would probably agree if you've ever stepped into this. When I give, it not only benefits the recipients, but it also benefits me. When I have given to somebody in need or when I have given regularly to the house of the Lord or met a need that somebody had in the community or went out and served and gave in that way, not only does it benefit the person that you're giving to or the organization that you're giving to or the need that you're meeting for that person, it doesn't just benefit them, it also benefits you. And I love what Paul was saying here. He said, thank you, I have more than enough, you have helped meet my needs and my God will meet all your needs. And here's how he's going to do it. According to his, the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. My God will meet all your needs. According to the riches of your glory in Christ Jesus. And somebody needs to know that today. God can meet your need. God can meet your need. I find it interesting that this comes in the same chapter, just a few verses after Paul's talking about not being anxious. Being worried, learning to pray, be thankful. He says, my God's going to meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Here's what I want you to get in your heart today. God is really good at meeting your needs, and he has more than enough. God is really good at meeting your needs, and he has more than enough. He owns it all. He owns it all. And he's really good at being God. We just have to get really good at trusting him. Trusting him and listen. Listening for his instruction. When the Holy Spirit speaks something to you. Take action and do what God's leading you to do. Because God wants to meet all your needs. But sometimes we have a part to play. And he'll speak to us to take this step or do this thing. And in that he's going to meet all of our needs. Because he already owns it all. He has it all. It reminded me of what Jesus himself said about our needs. Worship team, you can come back. This is in Matthew 6. Jesus said, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Which some of us just need that verse right there, that question that Jesus asked. Is there not more to life than everything that you can own and everything that you th- like? You think you need and I need, you know, this to wear and that to eat, and I'm just concerned about all these things. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And let me just stop right here and say that's a rhetorical question. Jesus already knows. It does not add anything to your life to worry or be anxious. And why do you worry about clothes? I think this is another instance where we have to learn to do it God's way. He says, your heavenly father already knows everything that you need. And, he, and, and, and if you look in nature and you see everything that God has done, how much more will he not take care of everything that you need? So he says, here's what you need to do. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all of these things that you need, God will make sure you have them. When you're focused more on God, your eyes are fixed on Jesus, you're seeking his kingdom and his righteousness, then everything else is going to be given to you as well. God is really good at meeting your needs. He has more than enough, so seek him. Seek his kingdom, seek his righteousness, and he'll give you everything you need. And then chapter 4 ends this way. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus, the brothers and sisters who are with me, send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, be with your spirit. Amen. Come on, has anybody received that today? The grace of the Lord be with your spirit. Amen. Will you stand to your feet?